God sees your faith, not through what you say alone, but through how you live. You're listening to the Redefining Wealth podcast with Patrice Washington. In today's episode, I sit down again with award-winning film producer, New York Times bestselling author, and acclaimed motivational speaker, my friend, Devon Franklin. He says it's time to live free. Hey there, this is Patrice Washington from patricewashington.com, where we chase purpose, not money. Welcome back to another episode of Redefining Wealth. And if you're brand new, here's what you need to know. This is a community that believes that wealth is so much more than just money and material possessions. We believe in the 12th century definition of wealth, which is the condition of well-being. And so every week, We focus on well-being in six pillars, and these are the areas of life that impact our finances, even when we're not thinking about it. If you need to get caught up, and I suggest you do, head to patricewashington.com forward slash start here. Again, the pillars can be broken down for you at patricewashington.com forward slash start here. Before we dive into this week's episode, it's brought to you by our Redefining Wealth private Facebook community. Yes, we have a community of purpose chasers from all over the globe. I don't believe that greatness can be created in isolation. You need people and you need like-hearted, not just like-minded folks around you. So join our free Facebook community at IamAPurposeChaser.com. You'll get to meet purpose chasers who are near you. Yes, in your own country, wherever you are. You can suggest show topics and guests and even get early access to upcoming events and programs. Purpose chasers always know first. So join us at I am a purposechaser.com. I walked around with Devon Franklin's book for two months as I was entering my 40th birthday. And so many of the revelations and the downloads and the breakthroughs that I've experienced over the last couple months have come from me reading Devon's latest book, Live Free, Exceed Your Highest Expectations. I could not wait to get him on the podcast so that he could download into you what has been downloaded into me over these next several months. And I'm going to tell you now, you want to add Live Free, Exceed Your Highest Expectations to your library. You want to have this book in your arsenal because... I know for myself that I've been breaking free of so many labels and titles and just all the stuff, all the things that haven't been supportive of who I say I am or where I say I want to go. So let me give you his official bio and then we'll jump in. Devon Franklin is an award-winning film producer, New York Times bestselling author, and motivational speaker. Known for his multiple best-selling books, including The Truth About Men, The Success Commandments, The Weight, co-written with his wife, award-winning actress Megan Good, and produced by Faith, Devon is also the president and CEO of Franklin Entertainment, a dynamic multimedia entertainment company with a first-look film deal at Paramount Pictures, a second-look film deal at Netflix, and an overall deal at CBS TV Studios. He's also a University of Southern California alum, Fight On, and he's back with his highly anticipated fifth book, Live Free, set to release this month. 
Without further ado, here's my friend, Devon Franklin. Welcome back to the Redefining Wealth podcast, Devon. Ah, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. You know, I'm, I'm always glad to be here. Oh my gosh. And I always have to tell everyone, you are my very first guest. You were the very first guest of the Redefining Wealth podcast. And now we're three and a half years in. We're eight million downloads. How many downloads? Yeah. Eight million plus. Jesus. Wow. That's amazing. Wow. Yeah. I feel honored to, to be the first one. That's amazing. Yeah, you were my very first interview, which it was weird. I guess because it was you, it was so comfortable, although I was not comfortable. <laughs> I was nervous. I was nervous, but that conversation was one of the first that let, really made me feel like, man, I can do this. Like I feel at home. And after we were done, you were like, man, that was good. I didn't even feel like that was an interview. And I was like, okay, yeah, okay, got, this is good. You got this. Yes. So we were just talking before we started recording five books in 10 years. That you want to know, that's the definition of crazy. Crazy is five books in 10 years. Yes. Yes. This is the fifth book. I don't know. You know, it's crazy. I'm just, you know, I, I have ideas and thoughts and, you know, thankfully publishers have wanted to publish the work and people have bought the book. So. Well, I feel like every time I read one of your books, it's at the exact time that I needed it. So mm. I don't know if if it's this connection where God is downloading to you so you can speak to your sister. I don't uh, know what it is, I it. but I have to tell you. So my audience knows late 2020, I got the download that my word for 2021 would be contentment. Mm. And I was just praying over and over again, God, allow me to be content with contentment. Because you know how you can say, oh, I want to be content in these things mm -hmm. and then not content with that decision. I, I know all about it. <laughs> I live so it every day. My theme, <laughs> so my theme for the year was contentment. And then I get your book. I get the early copy of the book and I'm on the plane. And I'm like, let me crack open, live free and, and get into what Devon is talking about. And so I get a couple pages in and I start reading about the expectation revelation. Oh, yeah. And then you start talking about how you had to examine your own life so that you could discover that your expectations are why you were experiencing discontent. I had to close the book back and say, now, wait a minute. I, like, this is too much. I just chose this as my word, contentment. And right. man, it's so good. Mm. It is so good. You did it again. Okay, so. Let's let's get to that moment where you realized that your expectations were why you were experiencing discontent. And what did that look like for you in that season? Yeah, you know, I mean, listen, it was a gradual process. And, and it's kind of like why I wanted to write the book, because so often we don't even realize gradually we are not really happy. We're not completely content. You know, we're wanting more. We're chasing. We're you know, it's like, okay, this is great. I got this. Now I want that. And again, there's nothing wrong with expansion. I mean, we all want to grow and expand. However, when we can't find the contentment in a, minute, a moment and we continuously find discontent and we continuously find disappointment, then we got to look at, okay, what's, what's going wrong here? Because uh, is life really supposed to be a series of disappointments? And then we die. That's it. Right. I, I don't think that's how it's supposed to go. So for me, I just kept noticing that you know, I would achieve, you know, something and but still be disappointed or 
not completely happy. And, and then I started to say, what's really going on? And I began to analyze, oh, it's my expectations. Got it. Because I expected this to go one way and it went another. I'm upset. Now, was it a problem with the way that it went? No, it went the way it was ordained to go. The problem was what I expected of it. And that wasn't met. So as I started to do this work, people came to me for help for a wide variety of reasons. And I started to see, oh, we all have the same problem, but the symptom is expectations. And so as I started to do that work and really begin to unpack what expectations are, I began to see that expectations are the secret software that run our life. We're not really reacting to the events of life. We're reacting to what we expected of those life events. We're not really reacting to people. We're reacting to what we expect of people. You know, if you're in a relationship or you're, you're married, it's like, okay, yeah, you know, your spouse meets your expectations. Oh, they're amazing. I love them. Your spouse doesn't. Oh, man, you know, I want to get out of this thing. So often it's not the people. It's not the circumstances, not the situation. It's us. And if we can take better control of us through setting expectations, then we can actually set up our life for success. And so the process for me of the discontent, the disappointment, the frustration led me to the revelation. And that's why I've had to share it. Oh, my gosh. Oh, you just said so much. It was so good. Okay, you guys see how I felt reading just the first few chapters of the book. I'm like, this is so good. This is so good because I totally identify with that. And like you, right, went through a season, really my whole younger life of being addicted to achievement, like always chasing the next thing. And what's the next thing? And what's the next thing? Mm -hmm. So much so, you know, Devon, it was hard for me to ever celebrate. Yeah, I would never take a moment to actually celebrate anything because I had to move on to the next thing. Me either. Same, same. I mean, seriously, like that's why I wrote the book. You know, I have a whole section in the book talking about uh, RIP, rest in peace, Mr. Perfect, because, you know, chasing that achievement created this persona of perfection and people were calling Mr. Perfect and all this stuff. And, you know, and that started that that went all the way back to middle school. You know, and people saying, oh, you know, Devon, you know, you're Mr. Perfect and all that. And then at first I thought, oh, that's great. Hey, I want to be Mr. Perfect. And then, you know, as I got older, I was like, oh, this is terrible. <laughs> perfect. I know. And it became a prison. You know, perfection became a prison and I had to liberate myself from it. And I want to help anybody else liberate themselves from whatever prison that they're in. So you you get it because you understand because you were in a similar situation that I'm in or have been in. Excuse me. Yeah. So you said that. One of the reasons we have so much difficulty isn't life itself. It's, as you said, what we have expected from life up until now. I think sometimes I know the listeners are hearing you, but can you give some more examples of what it looks like when your expectations can like distort your perspective, as you say in the book? What does that look like, not just in, you know, our relationships, but how we actually talk to ourselves, treat ourselves? react to life occurrences? Because I want people to know we're not just doing this for me and you. We all have these things in our lives and I don't want you to think it's just Devon and Patrice. Yeah. For example, if you're single and you're a certain age and then at that certain age, you're not in a relationship or married or you don't have children and then you start to judge yourself because of that. Oh, well, what's wrong with me? And everybody else has it and I don't. And, you know, I can't seem to find love. This is when you know your expectation is controlling how you feel, not the reality. How do we know that? 
Because where is it written? Where is it written that at that this particular age you're supposed to be married? You're supposed to have kids. Well, where is it written? Did it, did you did you come into the earth with a manual that said at these ages these things are supposed to happen, and if they don't happen, feel badly about yourself? No, we create these false expectations, unset expectations. That's what I call them in the book. Unset expectations about what should happen in life. And as a result, when they're unset, we actually will never be happy. And so when I say unset expectation, you have to ask yourself two different things in order to set an expectation. The first one is, is the expectation realistic or unrealistic? How do you know? Is it within your control? Whatever you're expecting, if it's within your control to do it, I argue that is a realistic expectation. Now, let's use this example of wanting to be in a relationship or married by a certain age. Is that within your control? Now, here's the thing. To some degree, it is. You could end up with anybody. But if you are single, it's because not everybody is right for you and you know it. So you're not just looking for anybody. You're looking for the right somebody. And so when you find the right somebody, at what age? That's out of your control. So what do you control? You control how you manage your singleness. You control unleashing the power of it. You control preparation. But when that right somebody ultimately shows up, is out of your control. So why would you judge yourself based upon something you don't control to begin with? See how the logic, so this is how the logic starts to break down, you know? So we start to create these, these, these benchmarks. So for me, I'll use another example and this is relatable, right? So 30 years old, I wanted to have a certain position, right? So you may say, oh, by this age, I need to be in this position. I need to make this amount of money. And then you're not making that amount of money and you're not in that position at the age, this age you're at. And you're starting to say, maybe I heard, maybe I'm going in the wrong direction. Maybe something's wrong with me. Maybe I'm not who I thought I was. Maybe I don't have what it takes. All of these negative things based upon what? Where is it written? You are great. You could be right where you need to be. You could be learning what you need to learn. And then also one thing that I didn't talk about in the book, but it's relevant to know, when you talk about the compounding effect, same thing with interest, you know, that interest compounds. So the, the longer it compounds, it then it starts to exponentially grow but it takes time. So instead of giving yourself credit for who you are and where you are and saying, okay, you know, great. I love to be here, but you know what? I'm going to be okay when that happens. Instead of giving yourself credit, you start to judge yourself. And as you mentioned in the question, you talk to yourself worse than you allow anybody else to talk to you. What does it mean to live free? It means that you are not under the mental, emotional, or physical control of anyone or anything. And the way you're not under that control is because you set the expectations that you live by. The second question you have to ask if you're setting an expectation, is it spoken or unspoken? Meaning, does it need to be communicated, right? Now, if it doesn't involve someone else, the odds that you need to communicate it to anyone but yourself are, are low. But if you do need to communicate it to someone else, you need to make sure that you get them to say yes. So these are some examples of how anyone listening can find themselves being controlled by expectations and making an incorrect assessment of themselves and what's possible in their life. Devon, this is so good. So at the time I was reading 
the book, I was quickly approaching my 40th birthday. Mm. And I was reading the book and it was starting to like just drop in my spirit. Like you have the questions at the end. So I was answering the questions at the end and I was just kind of processing and, and thinking through a lot of the questions. And it actually led me to record an episode called three things I want to leave in my thirties, like three things I'm leaving behind in my thirties. And one of them were like labels yeah. because I realized that I was walking around with so many labels from being the responsible one. Like you were Mr. Perfect, but yeah. I, I was always responsible. Like I don't remember a time in my life when I was not responsible, mm-hmm. which means that even in the face of really difficult seasons, I always felt like I needed to compose myself for everyone else. Even if I was the person who was hurt or who was betrayed or who was whatever, I was always still like taking on being responsible to keep everyone else together. Right. And I started to just go through and write a list of things like, no, where did this come from? who started this? Did I just, was I born this way, God, or did somebody like plant this seed? And it was so freeing to the point of live free. It was so freeing to start to unpack that because it made me realize that in some areas I had been holding on to these labels for so long that they had jeopardized my ability to actually enforce boundaries. Yeah. Like I knew I needed to have boundaries with certain people in certain ways but I wouldn't enforce them because the label, like, so the label was keeping me a prisoner, even to things that were not written in stone and not something that I desired. You know, I mean, and and Patrice, I mean, listen, these labels, I think impact all of us. And to the point about boundaries, this is, I talk about this in the book. We all have to learn how to self-prioritize. Because the boundaries are like, no, no, I don't need, if I, no, I don't need boundaries because I want, I don't want to disappoint this person. I want to meet everybody else's needs. I want people to like me. I want to be likable. So we overextend ourselves. We overcommit ourselves and we are the ones that pay for it. In order to live free, you got to self-prioritize. What does that mean? It's not the same as being selfish. When, when you and I are selfish or anyone is selfish, it means that you know what? I am going to get what I want, no matter how much harm I am, I inflict on anybody else. Doesn't matter. I'm going to get what I want. That's selfish. Self-prioritizing means I prioritize my well-being so that I can be of greater service to others. There's a scripture that says, love your neighbor as yourself. Now, here's the reality. Everybody won't talk about the love of the neighbor part, but love your neighbor as yourself. And here's the truth. If I don't know how to love me, you better be sure I don't know how to love you. If I'm not taking care of me, you better be sure I'm not really taking care of you. So in order for us to be of service, we have to prioritize. What does that prioritization mean? It means we do have to set boundaries. Boundaries are a form of respect, right? I respect myself, my space enough that I'm going to set some boundaries as a way to protect and to to show that I love myself. Two, I'm going to assess what are my needs? What do I need? I'm out here trying to meet everybody else's needs. What do I need? What are those needs? And I'm going to feel worthy enough to have those needs. Because here's the crazy thing psychologically. If you are a giver, you feel badly that there are things you need to receive. 
you're like, oh no, no, I, no, not me. I mean, like my mother, my mother. Oh my goodness, I love my mother. God bless her. Okay, but if I ask my mother, Ma, what do you need? Oh, I don't need nothing. Now, mind you, her her lights could get cut off. Okay. It don't matter what her situation is, right? She could be, you know, bleeding to death. You know, oh, I'm I, no. I said mother, because she she was brought up with never feeling okay to be in touch with her need and then being okay with verbalizing it. So as a result, I love my mother to death, and I do everything I can to try to help her. But I know she has not lived a life where all of her needs are met mm. because she has not lived a life where she has felt okay with those needs being met. And so when I hear what you're saying, and the reason why I wrote this book is for anyone to say, I do have needs and it's okay for me to prioritize getting those needs met. Mm -hmm. Because when I do that, then I can actually help others more. Because like the last thing I'll say on this, on this part of it, because I know there's other stuff you wanted to, to hit, but you know, on the plane, you know, I talk about this in the book on the plane, you know, when you take off, they say, hey, in case of emergency, the oxygen mask will come down and and you put your mask on first, then you help others. Now, for years, I would like I would never do that because I'm going to go help others. I'm not going to put my mask on first. Are they crazy? And then as I got wiser, I realized the wisdom in what they were saying. It's like, oh, right. If I don't put my mask on, I can't breathe. So I may be able to go help two or three people, but then I die. Why? Because I can't breathe. But if I put my mask on, then I can go help the whole plane. That's what self-prioritizing means. It means I do the things I need to do to breathe in life. I do the things I need to do to keep myself free, joyful, and peaceful. And as I practice those things, I'm then able to be of greater service to everybody else. Mm -hmm. That's so good. You know, in the book, there's a section under don't do it for culture. Do it (laughs) for you, right? And so I have to read this. I don't even want to butcher it. I want to read it. Um, Because you talk about the fact that you rather see us disappoint somebody else rather than disappoint ourselves by not being who we really are. That's right. And a lot of the expectations that we lean into are not just these personal expectations, as you say, but also culturally. So based on political affiliation or religion or what family you come from or any number of things. And this is the part that I really wanted to highlight. You talk about the fact that our spirit keeps a tab. And you said, we're all running our own internal tabs, whether we're aware of it or not. These unpaid tabs create resentments. Here's how it works. Our subconscious keeps a detailed record of everything we spend emotionally and spiritually. The tab is always running, especially when it comes to those things that are not in our hearts to do, even if someone else wants us to do them. Not only do these resentments build up, but the anxiety builds, the pressure builds, and the discomfort builds. We may not even be aware of how much those negative emotions are building until the bill comes due. That's when we blow up, we do something we can't believe we did, and we say something we can't believe we said. <sighs> that... Yo, was so hey, hey, let's talk good. about the truth, okay? Let's just give the truth, you know, because it's true, you know? And we don't realize, we don't realize every compromise we make 
And when I say compromise, I'm not talking about the type of compromises that you make inside of relationships and like, okay, do you want to, you know, go to, you know, uh, 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 STK or do you want to go to, you know, Ruth Chris? All right. <laughs> you want to go to Ruth Chris? Fine. That's, I'm not talking about those type of compromises. I, I am talking about fundamentally compromising who we are, fundamentally compromising our voice. And anytime we make those type of compromises, our spirit keeps a tab. We are actually aware of every time we live outside of truth. Every time we live outside of freedom. It's not like we just, oh, you know what? I compromised my voice in that situation. I compromised to be in that marriage. I compromised to be in that, you know, in that relationship. I compromised to be in that job. You know, it's not like, oh, I just do it without having to ever pay for it. No, same way. If you can take a credit card, you may not know what you're charged. You may not know what it is, but once you get that bill, you say, wow, I can't believe I charged all that. So when we have those blowups, I can't believe that I felt that way. And then also the other danger is that sometimes it doesn't even come out in a blowup. It can come out in overeating. It can come out in what we watch. Like, you know, you know what? I'll get to that tomorrow. I'm going to sit in, you know, Netflix and chill, right? There's nothing wrong with that. But when Netflix and chill becomes your main priority and you can't get done, you keep procrastinating, you can't get done the things you want to do, it may be because you are so overextended and the, the spiritual tab is so great, you find relief wherever you can get it. Even if it's doing things that you know are detrimental and aren't leading you where you really want to be, we are not perfect. We are all human. And in that humanity, we have flaws. There's a price to pay when we don't live free. There was a price to There's pay. a price to pay oh, when yes. we don't live free. So Devon, This brings up something else because there's an area for me in particular that I really struggled with pretty much since the whole George Floyd murder um, and the social justice uprising and all the things is because, you know, I identify as a Christian, Mm -hmm. but yet I felt very conflicted because so many things that I saw from people who also identify as Christian did not line up for me. Yeah. And it was that constant back and forth to your point about like, well, now I'm betraying what feels right for me if I just go along to get along or sit here and have these conversations and act like this is not a thing. As a Black woman in America, this is definitely a thing for me and I feel conflicted. Mm -hmm. So when you find yourself in those positions, those compromising positions where it is safer to just get along to go along type of thing or to be quiet or to not use your voice. How do you decide when you lean into living free is living free, like the mandate nine times, like 10 times out of 10, or are there ever circumstances where you feel like it's better to possibly just walk away and not even deal with it? Yeah. So living free is 10 out of 10. Like you got to do it. And I challenge everyone to, make it their practice in every situation. Now, part of living free in that in that regard can be wisdom. You know, I'm, I'm living free because I actually don't have to respond to everything that I see that I don't like. I'm living free because I choose when I speak up. And when I speak up, I speak with impact. Because if I comment on everything that I don't like and every person I don't like, my voice actually gets diluted because of the volume and the frequency, right? The frequency of, of me speaking up. It's like, oh, okay, you know, Patrice always says something about something, all right, whatever. 
But no, Patrice rarely speaks up. So when she speaks up, we listen. Oh, wow. Oh, got it. Right. Mm -hmm. So at the end of the day, nobody can tell you or me how much is too much, how much is too little. Assessing what's going on internally. Are you feeling compelled to speak up because you feel the pressure of what others are expecting of you? Or are you speaking up because it's what you want to say and you don't really care what anybody else expects? That's how you know. You know, that's how you know. And so when you talk about being a Christian, especially with social justice issues, every Christian has to stand before God about their position on these on these events. And if we are dealing with other Christians that may have a differing philosophy, I still would offer love. You know, yet I would also under, offer, hey, you know what? If I have a point of view and I feel like I need to speak up, I'm going to speak up and I will do my best to do so in love. Right. Because in cancel culture, it's like, boom, you know, you're done. You know, if anything. Sickening. Yeah, but it is sickening because when you look at it spiritually, we all are canceled. Right. But for Jesus, we cancel. Right. We're, we're canceled. We're all canceled. So if he didn't cancel us and gave us a, a, an opportunity to live this life, you know, through his sacrifice, even if we don't like somebody, we should always leave the, the door open for redemption and restoration. Now. People do difficult, crazy things. What you sow, you reap. So, you know, whatever someone has sown, especially when it comes to, to you know, dealing with the law, I believe you should reap whatever you sow. Um, so I'm not, I'm not talking about that. But even someone who is sowing what they have reaped still needs room for redemption if they so choose. Still need room, room for restoration. Do it for yourself, not just the culture, so that each person starts to identify, well, what is my voice? What mm-hmm. do I want to say? How do I want to say it and how and let me be the one that determines those things instead of feeling any pressure one way or another to do something I may or may not be ready to do. That's so good. You know, you do talk about that in the book with the cancel culture. You talk about social media and responding to trolls and like there's a little section around there. Right. And I had a moment where I got to your point of, um, I can't believe I said that. I can't believe I did that. I posted something one day that within hours I was, I felt awful. Like my, I, I was checked in my spirit mm. and I immediately, once I really like sat there with it, I went and deleted it, but I forgot that all of my Instagram posts go to my Facebook. I didn't, I didn't even think about that. Right. Cause I barely manage my social media. So I didn't even think about yeah. that. And several months later, maybe four or five months later, I ended up losing a brand deal because they found that post. And I don't regret what I said in the post, but I regretted the tone that I used because I know that my voice matters and that I could have said the same thing and left people with their dignity. Yeah. Right. So we can agree to disagree. We can agree that we're not on the same page with this. But I told my agent, I said, I don't regret what I said. I regret the tone in which I said it Mm. because tone matters. And that was such a tone matters. And when I was reading the book and you talked about that, I kind of highlighted and dog-eared that page because for me, that's what it was. What I said was my truth. It, It was true for me. So I was living free. But leaning into the nasty culture that we see so much in social media that's not me. Right. That's not how I really live my I life. Either. I and, feel <laughs> no, I can't do it. Can't do yeah, it. Yeah. 
and I and I got carried away and got caught up and just was consuming all of this stuff, like all of the thought pieces by a lot of people that uh, that I know and that I follow. And then I just like got into it and I'm like, no, it wasn't what I said. It was the tone in which I said it. And I think that that's the thing too about living free to your point is just having the ability to choose for yourself. You just choose for yourself. Yeah. And I don't think I chose wisely <laughs> in that moment, but it was a great lesson. And yeah. I ended up sharing it with my coaching clients. Like, this is what happened. And this is why I say these things. But I love that you even touched on that. Even with the cultural piece, I have a lot of listeners who are listening that are immigrants. And you you talk oh. even about yeah. the expectations of dealing with family members. And you know, I'm Belizean. And uh, yeah, I'm Belizean. And for many years, I think it's maybe just recently, my dad is finally starting to see that I actually have a real job. I think he thought I was playing <laughs> playing around for the last decade or so. But you just talk about all these different areas. And I, I love that you have us do so much reflection in the book. But again, I want to make sure that we know it's not just expectations in our romantic relationships, which I love your baked chicken story with uh, Megan. Yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> you have to read the book so you can uh, get that. That's right. Um, you got to read the book to hear about the baked chicken. <laughs> it's not just personal relationships. It's not just, you know, your familial relationships. It's not just culture as a whole. It's literally every part of our lives. This thing is running to your point in the background in the subconscious. And I know that there's people who are going, well, Devon, if I start to really be aware of these expectations and I manage them, then how do I live in expectancy, especially as a person of faith? How can I still expect God to do great things and not have expectations? Right, right. So so the key is, is, you know, I talk about this in the book. It's not about having no expectations, you know, because I've had periods of time where I said, fine, I'm not going to expect anything. And, you know, it's like, blood pressure, you know, when it's too low, it's, it's a problem and it's too high. It's a problem. You got to find, you got to calibrate. You want to keep it just right. So when you talk about great expectancy, you know, in God, so this is, this is one of the reasons why I wrote this book because especially people of faith, they put too much on God, period. (laughs) I had to throw my church hands up. It's too much. Too much on God. God is saying, don't put that on me. I gave you a mind. I gave you a brain. I gave you a body. I gave you the ability to think, process, comprehend. I gave you cognition. I gave you metacognition. I've given you all of these things, right? So so the reality sometimes, this is why I really harp on the book about setting expectations. And sometimes the reasons why we are the most devastated, especially as people of faith, is because we expected God to do something, right? That, that That was an unset expectation. So what I mean by this, so again, I don't mean to get super deep, but there's a chapter in the book called uh, Faith is the Real Sixth Sense. And I use this story in the book of Acts, you know, where there's a beggar that goes to the beautiful gate and Peter and John are, are there and they're going into the temple and uh, and he asks for money, right? And, if, and, and at first, you know, uh, they say, hey, look at, us, look at us. And so it implies that he wasn't looking at them. And so it implies that he was not looking with expectancy. And ultimately, they end up saying, hey, we can't give you money, but we'll give you uh, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. And he gets up and walks. Why is that important? Because, see, as people of faith, 
we sometimes will, will we would have been the beggar, but he but never showed up at the beautiful gate. We would have been the beggar at home. Lord, when you gonna come heal me? Lord, when you gonna come bless me? Lord, when you gonna give me this money I need? Not participating, right? So the, the beggar still had to have somebody carry him to get in position. And then not only did he have to get in position, he still had to have the courage to ask for something that the majority of the people going into the temple were not going to give him. Can you imagine if he said, you know what, I'm going to be at this gate and whoever God tells, tells to, to bless me, I'm, I'm not going to even ask. I'm not going to ask. The word says life and death in the power of the tongue, right? That's what the word says, right? The, the word says you have not because you ask not, but sometimes as believers, what do we do? I'm not going to ask. God's going to tell him. God's going to tell him what, what I need. We would have sat there at that gate, not asking for what we needed. And then Peter and John was, all right, well, we're going to keep moving. The reason why they stopped, the reason why their routine was disrupted is because someone made a request. So the reason why I say this is that so often as, as people of faith, we are guilty of having unset expectations, expectations that are unrealistic and expectations that are unspoken. So when you think about this, 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 this story in the Bible that I use in uh, the chapter that talks about the real sixth sense being faith, it wasn't that he just named it and claimed it. The beggar didn't name it and claim it. You know, the beggar didn't just have faith intellectually. He had faith practically. And he got in position. He got in position. And he also had humility. I need help. I can't do this on my own. There, there's no victory without vulnerability. Do you know how vulnerable he had to be to keep showing up every day with no guarantee that he would ever make the amount of money he needed to be self-sustaining? Now, mind you, he wasn't going to the gate to be healed. He was going to the gate just to get enough money to make ends meet. But this is the beauty of the God that we serve. When we set our expectations and we participate in the process, we serve a God who not only meets those expectations, but exceeds them. But we don't serve a God that, that wants to subsidize and supplement our faith when we don't actually exercise it. The whole Bible the whole thing, look at the book of Romans, our faith makes us acceptable to God. So one of the reasons why certain things don't happen in our life, not because God hasn't ordained it, but God is saying, if you don't participate, I cannot subsidize your lack of participation. I can't subsidize your lack of discipline. I can't subsidize your procrastination because if I do and I release to you what I have planned and you have not done your work, you're going to squander it. Let's go real quick to the prodigal son. The prodigal son in the scripture, he wanted what was his. He wanted an advance on his inheritance. You're not supposed to get the inheritance until your, your, your father or your mother passed away. He said, listen, I'm not going to wait until you die, dad. I want the inheritance now. So, he, so his father released to him what was his. He was supposed to get it later, but his father released it in the present. What was meant for the future, he released it in the present. Now, what we see in that example, now, mind you, that's a story Jesus is telling. It's a parable. What we see in that example, here's what happens when something gets released before the person has the capacity to handle it. They lose it. They squander it. They waste it. Why? Because they don't have the capacity. The process 
participating gives us the capacity to handle whatever God has already ordained to be released. So we, so this is all about, this whole answer is all about expectancy, specifically relating to God. If we expect him to do something, it's not about rubbing a genie in a bottle, right? You have an expectation that God is going to bless this podcast. Okay, so what does your expectation look like? You don't sit in your room and you wait for, oh man, I hope the guests come. Hope I can book a few guests. No, what do you do? You you focus on it. You prepare. You curate. You market. You pub- you publicize. You build the, the the sponsorships. Why? Because you have an expectation that God is going to do more with your offering than you can do yourself. But you still got to have an offering. You yeah. still got to have something in your hand. You're not saying, "Oh, God, just bless me with a podcast." You're like, "No, God, I got this podcast. I want to use this for Your glory. Please make up the difference for what I can't do on my own." And God sees your faith, not through what you say alone, but through how you live and says, okay, my sister, okay, my daughter, I'm about to release what I have for you because you are showing you are ready to Mm. receive it. So that expectation is not a false hope or a hollow hope. It's not a wish, right? That expectation, expectation means a strong belief, a strong belief on what will happen in the future. So when we have that belief, We allow that belief to be experienced in what we do, how we show up every day, how we live, how we dress, how we move, how we breathe. When we believe God is going to do something, it's not, oh, I hope one day. No, I believe it. So I'm going to get ready for it. Mm -hmm. I believe it. So I'm going to live like it. I believe it. So I'm going to talk like it. And the more that we do that, we will be shocked at how we get the release. But when we have an expectancy with no participation, we will always be disappointed well uh this has been another episode of that was a mic drop like what are we come on devon yes shoot i just answered lord have mercy ah so good here at redefining wealth what you described is what we call giving god something to bless yes like yes you want something, but you got to give God something to bless. You have to put forth some effort. You have to participate in your rescue. You have to contribute to the progress here. And we also say that God knows what we're waiting on when he sees what we're working on. Yeah, I love it. I love that. So good. So good. So yeah. True. Yeah. Oh, Devon, you know, I could talk to you all day. I hope I see you on a flight soon so I, I could fly. actually really <laughs> chat it up. Before I let you go, I want to ask you what we call our rapid wisdom questions here on Redefining Wealth. I think you answered these three and a half years ago. It'll be interesting to see how your, oh, yeah, how your answers have I changed. Remember the answer, so, I can't <laughs> wait questions. so here's the first one. How do you define success? Peace. Peace. If I am peaceful in whatever I'm doing, um, I am successful. It doesn't, and when I say peace, it doesn't mean the absence of resistance or the absence of conflict. It's just that even in the midst of the resistance and the conflict, I'm, I'm at peace because I'm, I know I'm going where I need to be. You know, I feel good about where I am. And so that's really success to me. And, and when I'm peaceful and I'm successful, then everything externally that looks successful to me comes out of that manifest from that place. Amen. All right. How do you define wealth in three words or less? Whoa. Well, I don't even know what I said last time. Dear Lord, that's a tough question. How do I define wealth? 
right now, I would say living free continuously. Because, you know, again, we go back to that idea that loving your neighbor is yourself, right? So I'm, I'm wealthy when I live free because I have an abundance. You know, I have an abundance of peace. I have an abundance of joy. I have an abundance of perspective. And that can only come, in my experience, through living free continuously. I love it. What's one book that has helped you redefine wealth? One book that has helped me redefine wealth, it's The Game of Life and How to Play It. It's a very old book. The author, she's not even alive, but that book right there really changed my mindset, you know, around wealth and kind of what was, um, I think it's Florence Goebel Shin or something like that wrote the book. But yeah, that book really changed my mindset about wealth and definitely redesigned and helped me reprogram my thoughts around it. Love it. Okay, this is the last one. You're going to fill in the blank. My name is, and to me, the truth about wealth is. <laughs> oh, Lord. My name is Devon. And the truth about wealth is that it's available to everyone. It's not about where you come from. It's not about where your family, uh, what they have and what they don't have. Wealth is available to all of us. And the sooner we get into that revelation, the sooner we will receive the wealth available. Uh, So often we don't receive the wealth available because we have all these excuses as to why we don't have certain wealth. And we're using others' wealth to say, well, 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 I'm not wealthy like that. No, you're wealthy. You can be wealthy in your way. But you got to know nothing Mm -hmm. before you has any bearing on what's coming to you. Amen. Devon, thank you. You're welcome. Thank this you. This was so good. This was so good. I know it's going to bless so many people. Congratulations on your fifth book. Thank you. Live Free, Exceed Your Highest Expectations. Everyone grab a copy. It is so, so, so good. If you want to just sit there and answer the questions alone, I believe that you will have breakthrough. Truly, I believe you'll have breakthroughs and a lot of revelation. So Thank you. I know you're saying this is it. I don't believe you. I think you'll be back on the podcast next year with another book. I'm just going to say it now. Okay. Okay. Anything, anything that you put out, you always have an open invitation for us to glean from your wisdom at Redefining Wealth. So thank you so much, my friend. I appreciate you. Thank you. you And God bless you. And please tell G I said, what's up? (laughs) I will. Okay, don't say I didn't warn you that you would go to church today. Oh my goodness. Was that not awesome? I know it was awesome. You got to find me in social media, Seek Wisdom PCW, tag Devon at Devon Franklin. Come over to the Facebook group, wherever you can get to one of us and share your biggest takeaway from this episode. I don't care who you are. I don't care where you're from. I don't care what you've experienced. Here's what I know. You have some unset expectations and they are making you miserable. And until you deal with those, there's no way for you to ever live in the true peace and contentment that I believe is designed for all of us. And so I'm telling you, 
Live Free has been helping me. I truly believe that it will help you. Don't forget that when you are dealing with those expectations and they're rearing their ugly head, don't forget what he said to ask yourself, where is it written? (sighs) If you just read that section of the book and how he goes deeper, oh my gosh. Remember, there's no victory without vulnerability. So we're going to have to be okay with going deep, with asking ourselves these tough questions, with possibly unpacking it with someone else. I don't care if it's a therapist, a good friend that has some sense. You need to do this work because so much of what you say you want, what we say we want is on the other side of just doing this work. Let me tell you, Live Free is so good. I can't, it's so good. Just get yourself a copy. And I think especially because we are majority a community of women, please get a copy for the men in your life. They don't have to read all 200 plus pages, but they may flip to a page or 10 that will surely bless them. And I know sometimes it's easier for them to receive this information from other men, which is okay. I'm fine with that. I just want Gerald, my husband, and all of the nephews, brothers, fathers, cousins, I want them to get information from a source that feels good for them. Totally okay with that. Nothing wrong with it. So pick up a copy of Live Free for yourself and definitely bless a man in your life with a copy of this book. These unmanaged expectations are ruining relationships, families, professional pursuits, just lives in general. And I just really want to help Devon get this message out here. So good. So that's it for me today. I do hope you enjoyed. Make sure you rate and review the podcast. It helps other people find us. And I truly, truly, truly appreciate it. And I read every review. So thank you in advance. And that's it for me. Until next week, I want you to go live your life's purpose, find fulfillment, and earn more without ever chasing money. Talk to you later. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. You just take your shot. It doesn't feel like you're on a diet. What I wasn't expecting it to do was to shut off the food noise. This was life-altering, and if I can do it, I feel like anybody can do it. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com.